How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And here we are back at it again, working our way through the Gospel of Matthew. So please grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens, and turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. Not chapter 13. I forgot to change that. How to change them all. Chapter 14. So please grab your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 14. And again, we're going to be just working our way through here, taking a look at what it says, how it's being said, and how we can apply it to ourselves for our own learning. So there's some interesting things going on in this chapter that I'll be bringing into uh, certain events that have occurred this week. As uh, many of you heard in the news about the shooting in Nashville and uh, this horrific uh, event and uh, is how a Christian school was targeted and this troubled man went there armed to the teeth and murdered a, f a number of the children and the adults there and it's just an absolute horrific thing as and we we try to wrap our minds around this and try to figure out the why we ask the questions why and all this stuff and we're actually going to be looking a bit at the why and why this happens what goes on and uh, we're going to be diving into the word of god and seeing what scripture has for us so uh, please grab your bibles notepads and pens grab your tea grab your coffee Join us at the table here, and we're going to be studying the Word of God. And if you have any comments, questions, issues, insights regarding the study at hand, please, by all means, go ahead, ask away. And if it's not related to the topic at hand, you just hold that to the end of the study or to our next broadcast. We'll try to get to it then. All right, so Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, going to take a look at Herod at just... It just happens to fall upon this chapter in this study about Herod killing uh, John the Baptist. And it's just, it's just <laughs> such a, I want to say coincidence, but I don't believe in coincidences. It's just uh, the way the Lord has just uh, carried this out. That we would just happen to be talking about this chapter at this time. All right. So, the same as the disciples and all of the Christians back then, asking, asking the question, you know, why, 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 why did John the Baptist have to die? And especially in such a horrific way, such a godly man, such a God-fearing man, such, such a, a loving servant of the Lord. Just, he did nothing wrong. He did nothing wrong and such evil befell him why and all the people would be asking the question why did this happen and we're going to be looking at the why there's the same reason as you see for example with the nashville shooting it's the same reason and uh, it's quite simple really in answering this one so and it's just going to get worse it's just going to get worse uh, the, the closer we get to the end, the more wicked it's going to be, the more wicked it's going to get, uh, the more twisted and debaucherous and evil and dark and demonic society is going to get. And the Christians need to be aware of this. 
aware of the changes, aware of these things, and we need to ready ourselves for this. And uh, we need to really just buckle down and uh, take the word of God that much more seriously and start witnessing and serving the Lord and uh, praying more, praying like you've never prayed before. Uh, many preachers have stated it, and you have heard it here too, that uh, the strength of the saint is in the amount of time that you spend in prayer, how much time you spend with the Lord. And like I've talked about before, if we were to eat and drink as often as we read our Bible and prayed, how healthy and strong would you be? We spend hours and hours and hours and hours in front of the stupid idiot box, the television, on social media, hours and hours and hours and hours, all the time on social media and television and everything else, and listening to secular music or radios and talking about politics and sports and everything else. How much time do we spend with the Lord? How much time do we spend in sincere, real, zealous study of the Word of God and in prayer? How much time do we spend in prayer? How much time do you spend talking with your family and your friends and other people? How much time do you spend talking with the Lord? It just goes to show the amount of time you spend with the Lord, that determines the strength of your faith. That determines the strength of your walk with Christ. So, it begs the question, well then, if that's the case, then why do people that seem to be so strong in the Lord seem to be the ones that are targeted? Well, it's because they're a threat. They're a threat to society. They're a threat to the ways of the devil. That the more that the more closer you bring yourself to the Lord, the more of an enemy you are making yourself to the world. The more you pick up the banner of faith, the more attention you're going to draw from hell. And the devils are going to target you and they're going to stir up issues and people and things and circumstances around you to try to ruin your joy, trying to ruin your walk with Christ, to try to silence you, censor you, delete you, everything else. They'll stir everything up. We have to understand the supernatural aspect of this. You see, many of today's Christians are so jaded in the supernatural and are so physical in, in their view of things that they don't see or understand or recognize the, the spiritual aspect of these things. Uh, the, the great fight that we're in. So before we really get to reading uh, in our study this morning in Matthew chapter 14, we need to go to Romans chapter 1. Now, I'm, uh, for the record, I'm going to be reading a passage of the Bible that's actually illegal and banned in Canada. Uh, reading this passage actually is uh, against the law. Just as 1 Corinthians uh, 6. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. Romans 1, 18 to 25. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now, we talked about this, but we need to go over this again, just so you really get an understanding of this passage. So again, holding the truth in unrighteousness, the best, most beautiful example of this that was uh, I heard from uh, someone years ago. I forget exactly who. Uh, uh, but uh, is the idea of trying to hold an inflated beach ball 
under the water at the beach. So you go to the beach and you go out in the water and you have your beach ball and you push the beach ball under the water. Now it's going to fight you and it's going to try to pop up. So you're constantly trying to adjust to try to keep it under the water. Suppressing the truth is to push it down, push it away, and then deny that it exists. So you're pushing it down, you're fighting to suppress, fighting to hold it down, and then denying the beach ball exists. That is literally uh, what verse uh, 18 here in Romans 1 means. And verse 19. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. They, they, they know. They know it's there. They know the beach ball is there. They understand it. They know what it is. They know everything about it. And see, a real atheist does not exist. They know. That's what drives them to speak against God all the time that much more. That, that's what fuels their hate of God. Why they have to speak up so much about God. Because they know and they hate him. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. See, they have no excuse. They know full well what they're doing. They're without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they become fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man into birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And for this cause, God gave them up to vile affections, meaning he just let them go their way. Fine then, that's what you want? Fine, go there, go your way. God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of error which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all uncleanness and fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but they have pleasure in them that do them. So, not verses 18 to 25, but 18 to 32. This section's abandoned Canada. But it, because it says the truth. This is what's going on. The people know the truth and they hate him 
They hate God. They hate the truth. And they suppress it. And then they change it to a different truth. I have my truth. You have your truth. They change it to fit their, their own opinions, to fit their own selves. And we're going to look at this because of the immorality, because of the debauchery, because of the sin and the wickedness of, of the heart of men, of the natural man. They cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. And they change the truth, and there's no love of God, no love of righteousness, no fear of the Lord. They don't care about the truth. They want to do their own thing. And this is what happened in Matthew chapter 14. Herod, why he killed John the Baptist. And why that... That troubled man in Nashville shot up a Christian school and murdered little children and murdered some of the adults there. This is why this happens. Because there's no love of God, no fear of the Lord, and it's nothing but the love of wickedness. And they oppose and they want to destroy anything that would try to get in their way of their march of debauchery and sin. So we see these things. Now, verse 14, Matthew chapter 14, verse 1. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard of the fame of Jesus and said unto his servants, This is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show, uh, show forth themselves in him. For Herod had laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. For John said unto him, It is not lawful for thee to have her. So you see what happens here is... Herod took to, uh, to take his brother's wife. So there's immorality. There is adultery going on here. Um, that we see is that John is going to instruct him in this to tell him that this is not right. You're, you shouldn't be doing this. Uh, she's married to someone else and you're taking someone else. And as Jesus even said that uh, 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 divorce and remarriage is adultery. And John's going to tell, tell him about this. This is wrong. You need to repent of this. And because of this, they arrested John and threw him in prison for preaching righteousness. Preaching righteousness. And all he said is not lawful for thee, not under the law of God. It's the law of God. God's law supersedes man's law. All because society says that such and such a thing is okay that does not invalidate God's law. All because society says that certain behaviors and practices and, and, and uh, certain things uh, can be done and that it's, it's not wrong. All because society dictates that does not invalidate God's dictation. What God has decreed. Righteousness according to God, law according to God still stands. Society is, society's rules are irrelevant. What God has said is the only truth. We ought to be God rather than men. So... If society says you can divorce and remarriage, does that mean it's okay? No. If society says you can go and be, do, have whatever you want, does that mean it's okay? Well, what does God's word have to say? You see, in this now, that individual that shot up in the Christian school in Nashville, um, that was a trans woman, uh, an individual who identified as a woman, Went and armed himself and shot up the school. Now, in society, you're allowed to identify and go do, be, have whatever you want. Well, it is your right to go do, be, have whatever you want. But we're talking about consequences. 
consequences. You see, there's the consequences of righteousness and the consequences of sin. The consequences here we see of falling in sin and and being unrepentant of sin is you're going to have to give an answer before God. In this world, you have your freedom, but afterwards, you're going to have to stand before the Lord and give an answer. And it's the inverse for the Christian here. Standing for the Lord and standing for righteousness, there are consequences. There's a, there are consequences for standing for righteousness. You go, and in this world, it, this world will judge you. And this world will condemn you. This world will, can even kill you. But before the Lord, you're free. Before the Lord, you're right. You stand for the Lord. You will be hated of all men, as the Lord says. They will hate you because of me. And with John the Baptist, they killed him. With Paul, they killed him. With Jesus, they killed him. With, with Which of the prophets did they not kill? Which of the disciples did they not kill? Take a look at the martyrs. You see what happens. You stand for the Lord in this world, you will be hated of all men. All men. All who are not saved will hate you. They will oppose you. They'll think less of you. They'll despise you because they feel that you just don't understand. But you understand more than they could ever imagine. We know what sin is and sin is exceedingly sinful and condemned of God. And we want these people to be free from this. We want them to repent and believe on the Lord. John, all he said is not lawful for you to have, uh, to have your brother's wife. And they arrested him. In this, in this world, they will arrest you for speaking up about righteousness. If you oppose people's pronouns, if you don't, if you don't accept their personal identities and all the rest of this, if you don't accept society, if you don't agree with society, they will arrest you and oppose you. If you don't agree with sin, if you don't stand with sin, if you don't compromise with sin, this world will arrest you, oppose you, persecute you, oppress you. This is just what happens. And look at this in verse 5. Matthew 14, verse 5. And when he would have put him to death, he feared the, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. He would, he would have killed him. He would have killed John, but he saw that, the, that, that so many of the Jews saw John as a prophet of God. And for fear of the people, he didn't kill him. So it goes to show that, that in his heart, that, that the despise of John, the anger of, uh, against John, but due to circumstances, he couldn't do so and yet keep the favor of the people. It shows no fear of the Lord. No fear of the Lord. No fear of this. Just as many other people that, that have killed, uh, killed people, other people in mass shootings, all these things, is no fear of God. People go out and in uh, their debauchery and everything else. There's no fear of God. How they can carry out sin and crime and all this stuff. There's no fear of the Lord. When he would have put him to death, he feared the people. He feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before, before them and pleased Herod. Whereupon he promised with an oath. To give her whatsoever she would ask. In another passage it says, it's even to half of the kingdom. I'll give you whatever you want, even to half of the kingdom. And she, look at this verse 8. Being before instructed. 
And I just want to pause on that one for a moment. And we see here the dance of immorality. The dance of immorality, unrepentance, no, no fear of God, no love of righteousness, persecuting the saints, reveling in his immorality of his adulterous affair, being pleased by the dance of immorality. What would instruct such a thing? What would be pushing this? What would be driving this? We see here in verse 8, and she, that the daughter that danced, being before instructed of her mother, said, give me here John Baptist's head in a charger. Now think about this just for a moment. This, this, young, this young girl that danced before the, 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 the court here and pleased Herod, was asked uh, by the king, you know, what what do you want? And this child says, I want the head of John the Baptist. Why? Because that's what my mother wants. So we see, training the young, instructing the impressionable to hate the saints, to be fine with immorality, hate righteousness, and have no issue with, with cutting off the head of John the Baptist. What do we see? Grooming. Grooming the young. Grooming the young to fight against the saints and be okay with immorality. This is what society this is what the government uh, wants to suppress. This is why these passages are banned in Canada and other places of the world. This is what the world doesn't want the preachers to say. This right here is what they'll throw you in prison for. They hate God. That's, that's why they kill the Christians, suppress the Christians, chain up the churches, arrest the street preachers, ban the gospel, ban the passages in the Bible. And this is why they imprison the saints around the world. And why you never see these kinds of things happen to other religions, only Christians. Why? Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them and they hate it. They suppress it in, they suppress it in unrighteousness they suppress it with unrighteousness in unrighteousness because they love darkness because their deeds are evil tell me i'm wrong i dare you and she being before instructed the instruction of the wicked the instruction of the wicked, the instruction of debaucherous society, of the debaucherous, immoral, God-hating, sin-loving society. Instructs even the younger to hate church, hate God, hate the saints, hate the Bible, hate Jesus, curse God. They blaspheme Jesus Christ. They blaspheme righteousness. They blaspheme the word of God. And they revel in and they, their unrighteousness. And they change the truth of God into a lie. And they chop off the head of righteousness. They chop off the head of righteousness. They chop off the head 
that preaches repentance, that preaches righteousness, that preaches the truth of God. This is why things like Nashville happen. This is why the shootings happen. This is why what we, we see the assault on the young, where we, where we see the grooming of the children, where we see the revel in the parades of debauchery, why we see the fall of Christianity, why we see the closing of churches, because so many people are afraid to speak up because they don't want to be opposed, because they don't want to draw attention from the wicked, because the wicked is so wicked these days. Why Lot, yet uh, grieving his righteous soul, he wouldn't speak up in Sodom and Gomorrah. He was afraid to speak up, and when he finally did, they jumped down his throat. Now, who are you to judge us? We see this happening today. When the saints are silent, sin revels and dances in the street. But we were told this would happen. The other reason people ask, well, why would these things happen? Why would it happen? Because we were told it would. We were told it would, that, that the wickedness will abound, the love of many will wax cold, and it will be as in the days of Noah in the coming of the Son of Man. We were told. We were told this would happen, that wickedness would grow, sin would, would, uh, would reign, that the kings of the earth would gather themselves together and oppose the Lord and his saints, that, that we were told this would happen. And when it does, we're surprised. We're surprised. Being instructed. Being instructed. Said, give me John Baptist's head. How cold and hateful, how evil would have to be the heart of the mother. And we see the child didn't bat an eye at this. Did not dare oppose her mother. She could have said anything else. But she obeys wickedness and sin. She obeys wickedness and sin. Did she know John was? Yes. Everyone knew who John was. Did she know what John preached? Yes, she knew. She didn't care. She didn't care. The coldness of the heart has no problem with murder, no problem with killing, no problem with slaughtering others. And on top of which, killing a prophet of God, a well-known public prophet of God. No problem with this. Give me John Baptist's head. Now look at this. And the king was sorry. Verse 9, the king was sorry. Oh yeah, so sorry. And the king was sorry, nevertheless, for the oath's sake of his promise to the girl, I'll give you whatever you want that you ask. And he, and he vowed this with an oath. Nevertheless, because he made an oath, and, then with, and with them that sat with him to meet all of his friends and all, all of the upper echelon, all of those that were around, those in charge, the powerful ones around, they heard the oath and the promise. And because of this, he, he didn't want to go back on his promise. So for fear of man, fear of man more than God, he carried through and he commanded it to be given her. And he sent and beheaded John in the prison. Fear of man more than God. Love of sin more than righteousness. He doesn't he did he didn't couldn't comprehend that such an oath and vow is invalid. 
when it comes to the blood of others. He cared more what other people think than he did what, what God what God thought. And he chopped off the head of John the Baptist, a preacher of repentance and righteousness. It had no had, didn't even have two pennies to his name. He wore camel skin and ate grasshoppers. He had no power, no fame, no money. He had nothing, nothing but the word of God. This powerful, powerful king. He couldn't find any other way around this. But we see what happens by the peer pressure of the elite. This is so on point by the peer pressure of the elite. Because people fear the elite. They fear those in charge of social media. They fear those in charge of the schools. They fear those in charge of government. They fear those in charge of society. They fear the upper echelon. They fear the elite more than God. So, so they kowtow to the, those in power and they do what man wants and not what God wants. Oh my goodness, it's so on point. And this is what we're seeing today. This is what we're seeing. feared the elite when the elite say uh, during the lockdowns you're not allowed to go to church but god says gather together and what what do, what do the majority of people do don't go to church the elite say you're not allowed to sing the hymns of god out loud because singing hymns gives you covid so what do they do they don't sing the hymns but god says lift up your voice like a trumpet to praise the name of the lord the elite say you're not even allowed to tithe because tithing gives you covid but what do the people do they don't tithe but, but what does god say to support to help out and to give it joyfully to help with the church to help to help with the ministries the elite say you're not allowed to proselytize the elite say you're not allowed to preach of Jesus. The elite say you're not to, uh, allowed to preach righteousness. The elite say you're not allowed to speak the passages in Galatians and 1 Corinthians 6 and Romans 1. They chop off the head of the preachers because there's no fear of God. They shoot up the, the Christian schools because they hate God. This is what's happening. This is why these things happen. This is why. This is why sin reigns. This is why Satan rules the world. Because there's no love of God. There's no fear of the Lord. This is why, as we saw in the Old Testament, how the Israelites would keep, keep going back to Moloch worship. They would take their little young and kill them in the names of the false gods and burn them on altars to false gods this is why they they would have such debauchery in the land then they wonder why they're afflicted why the enemy would come and would reign over them and conquer them and take them off in captivity and they wonder why why do bad things happen is God not loving? Why do why do so many people blame God? Like somehow it's his fault. If God was all loving, why do bad things happen? Bad things happen because bad people hate God. 
because there's none righteous, no, not one, all are fallen away, all are become corrupt, there's none that doeth good, no, not one. All of our sins have separated us from God. We are enemies of righteousness in our sin state. We are condemned of God because of our sin. We are sending ourselves to hell. We are already on our way to hell. And God made a way of salvation, a way of escape. There's no love of the cross. There's no love of Christ. Oh, they love the name of Jesus as a cuss word. They love the idea of heaven as long as they could do whatever they want and then end up there. They hate the cross. They hate the saints. They hate the preachers. You could go out in the street with any other religious text and no one would bat an eye. You go out in the street with a Bible, all hell breaks loose and the devils just just dog pile on you. And they drag up every, every wicked sinner around to come down on you, to condemn you. And the police come and arrest you for hate speech. Why does this happen? Why are they chopping off the heads of the prophets? Why are they chaining the churches and arresting the saints? Why are they arresting God? Why they haul off God to prison? Because men love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds are evil. Because they suppress the truth and unrighteousness. They know what righteousness is and they don't care. They don't care. She being before instructed. Instructed. The parents telling the kids, be worse than me. You see, the mother wouldn't do it, but she told her young to. Because, well, the older generation can't get away with it, but the next generation may, because laws get, get less and less and less and less and less, and it gets easier and easier and easier and easier to do more and more and more wicked things with every next generation. Every generation after is always worse than the one before. And so we see the parent instructing the younger, be more wicked than me. The king was sorry. And he beheaded John. Sorry for what? Causing the problem, but not sorry for the sin. It was, it was the repentance of Esau, which God hated. Where Esau was sorry for the problem, not the sin. Judas was was sorry for the problem that's why he threw the money back at the pharisees judas was sorry for the problem not his sin there's no repentance of sin it was the repentance of esau herod here repentance of esau no repentance of the of the actual sin and verse uh, and his head look at this they severed the head off of John the Baptist. They picked up the bloody head, put it on a platter, and carried this bloody head up, up before Herod. And look at this. And his bloody head was brought in a, in a charger that's a, that's, a, that's a large plate and given to the girl. He handed it to the girl. Here you go. Here's your reward. This is what you wanted. She didn't reject it. She didn't recoil from it. There's no horror. There's no exclamation. There was such a cold, cold apathy. 
cold, cold apathy. She took the bloody head of John the Baptist and gave it to her mother. Here you go. Here's the reward. This is your reward for, for how you trained me. This is what you wanted me to do. Well, the parents are going to have to give a, an account before God when they stand before him. It's just, it's just amazing. Nothing is new under the sun. Nothing is new under the sun. You look at how they've opposed the saints all down through time. Man's inhumanity to man and the wickedness abounds. Wickedness has always been. But always gets worse before the judgment. Always gets worse before the judgment. The people say, oh, it's like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh, we're getting there. We're getting there. It was Charles Spurgeon, I believe, that said, is it said that if God doesn't judge our nation soon, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, he didn't mean that God will actually have to apologize, but he's just talking about the level of wickedness of our society. And this was in the 1800s. <laughs> Could you imagine what Spurgeon would say if he saw what society was like today? But think about it just for a moment, Sodom and Gomorrah. How far can society get? We think, oh, this is so bad. It's getting so bad. Oh, just hold up just a moment there, my friend. You read your Bible? Sodom and Gomorrah. The debaucherous of Sodom. We're trying to beat down the door. Of, of Lot to get at the two angels, the, uh, the two men that came, the two angels that came who were in Lot's house. They tried to literally beat down the door to get it. The angels struck them blind. By the power of God, the angels struck all of, all of the crowd blind. And they, the men, the men of Sodom, stone blind, Still scrabbling for the door, trying to rape the angels of God while they were blinded. Just complete. Think about that one just for a moment. How bad can it get? Without meaning to be too detailed here i want to be a little more careful with my words here but the rape of god we have preachers so-called preachers in so-called churches advocating that jesus was gay that jesus was trans scrabbling for the doors dragging their debauchery into the churches and dragging God into it wanting to bring God the ways and things of God into their debauchery 
Think about this. How close are we? I. Some days, I tell you, I, it's almost like I can smell the brimstone. It's about to fall. This is where our society is. This is where we are. Wake up, people. See where we are. Look, there's no fear of God. Here in Canada, in Parliament a couple years ago, when they passed uh, uh, the, the new hate crime laws in Canada, they brought up about certain passages in the Bible and, cer and certain Christian practices and doctrines. And, sh and should such things uh, be banned, there wasn't one single person in all of parliament on either side not none of the conservatives none of the liberals none of the conservatives no one else opposed the bill the so-called christian conservatives in parliament didn't even oppose it this is where we are a complete hate of god a complete debauchery Dragging God into Sodom. Trying to rip open the doors of Lot to, to, to force in, to force their agenda. And we're not allowed, you're not allowed by law to say anything. To the point where, where this troubled individual this demonic individual, this demon-possessed individual, marched into a Christian school, shot the children, shot the adults, and all CNN could care about was that they mis misgendered the shooter. That the police misgendered the shooter. This is all that CNN could talk about for a while, was they misgendered the shooter. Not that little children were slaughtered by this demoniac no love of god no fear of god the love of many's wax cold all they can care about is beating down this door to get at righteousness all they care about is the ways of herod is the ways of babylon is the ways of rome is the ways of sodom is the ways of pompeii is the ways of all these nations that god judge and the wrath of god is coming i can smell the brimstone we are on the precipice and we're like a freight train going off a cliff edge this is where we are we're, they're chopping off the heads of the preachers they're silencing the preachers they're arresting the preachers they're chaining the churches they're banning the bibles and they're they're dancing their their immoral dances in the street this is where we are tell me how we're not in sodom and gomorrah they love any deity but christ they love any gospel but that of scripture they love any any preaching philosophy as long as it's not the truth you could say do be have anything you want but a christian you could sexualize the innocent and it's not even a problem they'll kick the parents out of the schools out of the libraries and sit the little kids down with these debaucherous monsters are assaulting the kids and jesus says 
Jesus had something to say about that, something about millstones. But what should we do? What should we do? What should we do, cry the saints? What should we do? This is where we are, but what should we do? And, and, a, and the righteous anger builds up, and well, what should we do about all of this? There's only one thing you can do. You see, folks, we were told, we were warned, we were shown, we were taught, we were instructed. We were instructed. Well, let's look. What should we do? Verse 11, Matthew 14, verse 11, and, the, and his head was brought in a charger and given to the damsel, and she brought it to her mother. The reward of sin is the blood of the saints. Sin's reward to the sinful is the blood of the saints. But what should the disciples do? Verse 12. When the disciples came and took up the body and buried it. And went and told Jesus. They went and they gathered up the headless corpse of John the Baptist. They gather up what's left. In respect, they buried. Another pastor says they lamented. They, they wailed and cried. There be, there be fear. There be anger. There be emotion. But then what do they do? They go to Jesus. They don't fight. They don't go and wage war. They don't scream hate and violence at the wicked. They go to Jesus. They tell Jesus. And then what do they do? They carry on. They keep preaching. They keep preaching. They keep teaching. They keep working the gospel. They keep telling them. They keep telling them. You must repent. You must repent. Did more die? Yes. And what did they do? They kept preaching. Were more arrested? Yes. What did they do? They kept preaching. Were more hated and persecuted? Yes. They kept preaching. The blood of the saints stained the ground, just like God said to Cain when he killed Abel. The blood of your brother cries from the ground. Our blood cries up from the ground, cries up for, uh, to the Lord about what they've done. And what, what do the saints do? They keep preaching. They keep giving their blood. They keep giving their heads. They keep, they keep giving their sweat. They keep giving of their hands. They keep giving the gospel. That's all you can do is keep preaching, keep marching, keep preaching, keep teaching, keep praying. The time is wicked. The time is coming. The brimstone is about to fall. But when it comes time, the Lord will come and like Lot and his family, pull us out of the cities and he will rain down his vengeance. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay not you not you vengeance is not ours jesus said if my kingdom were of this world then would my servants fight but my kingdom is not of this world 
My kingdom is not of this world. You can't fix the debauchery of society by preaching politics, by preaching reform. You can't fix the sin of society by banning the, dra the drag shows. You fix the sin and debauchery of society. You fix the wickedness with the gospel. Only, the, only, only the gospel of Jesus Christ can fix everything. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ can dull the edge of the axe that takes off the head of John. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ, only the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood of Christ is the medicine for, this, for the disease of sin. Only the edges of the cross can cut to the heart. The gospel of Jesus Christ fixes everything. So how do you fix the issues of Herod and, and, and the wicked woman and her daughter that, that, that took the head of John? How can you fix that? The gospel of Jesus Christ. Did they get saved? We're not told. It's not up to us. It's up to us to preach. It's us, up to us to teach. It's God that brings the conviction. It's God that changes the heart. It's God that changes the mind. It's God that forgives sin. It's God that moves and works. It's us that speaks. Let us not speak hate, but let us speak the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let us call sin, sin. It is what it is. And all because society says it's fine, that doesn't mean before God that, that God then is like, oh, okay, sorry, I, I got it wrong here. Let me alter my word for you. He doesn't do that. God says it's sin. All have sinned. All are sinners and all must repent and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You must be saved or else you will not see the kingdom of heaven. We were told these things would happen. And it may happen to you. And what should we do about it? Keep preaching. Keep teaching. And do not get distracted. Do not alter the message. Do not alter the message. We have marching orders and the orders are you must be saved. You must be born again. Repent and believe the gospel for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel, for the wrath of God is coming. His sword is, is sharpened and wetted. His sword is about to fall. The wrath of God is about to fall. His vengeance is coming, and he, he will repay. All whose names are not found written in the Lamb's book of life is cast in the lake of fire. And this is the truth that society does not want to hear. They do not want to hear about the blood of Christ. They do not want to hear about the cross. They do not want to hear about Christ. Oh, they'll hear it as long as it's twisted and as long as it's foul and vulgar. Making movies about gay Jesus. Making movies blaspheming Christ. Making movies blaspheming the gospel. Preaching other gospels. Making movies uh, uh, advocating sin and wickedness. Air conditioning hell. Watering down sin. Uh, uh, entertainment and music and everything about Satan and, 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 and how wonderful hell is. And what do the saints do? Where are the holy men and women of God preaching the truth? Where are they? Where are they? We need to get busy. We need to get busy. There are woes 
woes being cried out upon our nations. As you see in Revelation, the woes unto the churches, there's woes being cried out against our nations, cried out against our cities and towns, cried out against our churches. For many of us have left off our first love. Many of us have watered down sin, have air-conditioned hell, have compromised our convictions with society, have altered our language and our words to fit more with what society decrees is fine, and we will not speak as God would have us speak directly. There are so many pastors using using the, the, the social justice warrior language, preaching all kinds of politics and things from the pulpits, and not the gospel, not preaching doctrine, not preaching theology. Church is essential. The gospel is essential. And these things are being missed and laid off for the fear of men, for the fear of government, for the fear of the elite. And his disciples came and took up the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. Verse 13, when Jesus heard it. Now Jesus is God manifested in the flesh. The silence of God was the spirit of God with John in that prison. Yes. This is, this is the hard one. Was God standing there as a witness of two things? Was God standing in that prison as a witness of the righteousness of John and a witness of the sin of Herod? As he watched the axemen come in and take off John's head. It was God standing there. Did he see it? Oh, he saw it. God was doing two things in that prison. He, he was filled with such joy and love towards John. And that John gave his life for the truth. And God was shaking with anger. Can you imagine the wrath of God on the day of judgment towards Herod when it's Herod's turn? When Herod stands before God, can you imagine the wrath of God there? The wrath of God when the Pharisees stand before him that stoned Stephen, that butchered the saints. The wrath of God upon all the wicked. The wrath of God towards that one that shot up the Christian school. God will take vengeance. When God hears of it, when Jesus heard of it, what happens? When we see the, fi the final declaration of the hate of God and the fight against the saints, what does God do towards that, towards that nation? What does God do with that nation? He removes himself. The removal of the hand of God. He'll have nothing to do with them. When they reject God, they kick God out of the schools. They kick God out of society. They kick God out of parliament. They kick God out of the nations. They kick God out of everything. They kick God out of everything. And they, and, they, and they seek to silence the saints, silence the preachers. What does God do? What did Jesus do? He left. Walked away. 
Romans 1, 18 to 32. What does God do? He gives them over to their wickedness. He gives them over to the debauchery. He gives them over to their vile affections. He hands them over to it then and he leaves. I tell you right now, I tell you right now that, that, that uh, the so-called anthems of our countries are nothing but lies. God is not in our nations. God does not love our nations. We cannot sing God keep our land. You cannot sing the American anthem and, and talking about God and the nation. You can't because he is not there. If God is not in, in the government, if God is not in the school, God is not in society, then why are you singing like he is? He isn't. But rather the judgment and the wrath of God is there. Look what's going on in the streets. Look what's going on in the schools. Look what's going on in our nations. Look what's happening. There's no love of God. There's none. It, the, our nations are no different than Rome and Babylon. We are the lots. We are the lots of Sodom. We are the lots of Sodom. And the brimstone's about to fall. Our nations are being judged. Our nations are held in the balances and found wanting. And the wrath of God is upon us. We are the lots of Sodom. And we are instructed to do one thing. That is to try to tell them. But as, as God said to the one prophet, you will tell them and they will not listen to you. You could be as one uh, playing an instrument, uh, uh, playing instrument well, and, and they, they will love it, but they will not listen to you. They will not listen to you. Just as they did not listen to Malachi. They did not listen to Isaiah. They did not listen to Obadiah. They did not listen to Jeremiah. They did not listen to Elijah. After Elijah brought down the fire on the altar and killed off the prophets of Baal, what did the Jews do? They went right back to what they were doing. They didn't change. But all because the people won't change, they won't listen, doesn't mean we shouldn't keep trying to tell them. Until our, until our dying breath, we're to keep telling them. Until they take our head, we keep telling them. Until they delete our platforms, we keep telling them. Until they, until they silence us, we keep telling them. Until like Apostle, Apostle Paul, until they chop off, chopped off his head, he kept preaching. I guarantee you, if I was a betting man, I would bet my last bottom dollar that Paul's executioner was given the gospel. That Paul was preaching the gospel right up till the axe fell that is an example for us to not get distracted to not get off the mark to not get so caught up in our emotions and frustrations with society our disgust of sin should not alter our message. Our anger towards the injustice should not alter the message. It may even hit close to home. It may even come to you. But as we 
were vile enemies of God. Yet he brought out his grace before us and he saved us and he changed us. He can so do to them. Remember how you were an enemy of God and he showed grace to you. Show mercy and grace to your enemy. Love your enemies. Bless them that hate you, that curse you, that despitefully use you. Pray for them, bless them, love them. No matter how hard it is. No matter how hard it is. Remember who we are. Who we represent. Remember our marching orders. What we're here to do. We're here for one purpose and one purpose only. And you cannot change the world by reform of any other kind. There is only one form of reform that changes everything and that's the gospel of jesus christ and if you're trying to change society by any other means you're wrong you're using the wrong medicine for the disease and you're going to make it worse you can't get someone to understand other doctrines of scripture if they don't understand the gospel you can't get the sinners to understand sin if you're not preaching the gospel you can talk about how such and such a thing is immoral and wrong and all this other thing, but the people won't get it. They won't see it. They're blind. They're deluded by the devil. They're deluded and deceived by their sin, and they won't get it if you're not preaching the gospel. How can you get someone to understand sin if, they, if you're not telling them how to understand Christ? Why did they chop off the head of John? Same reason we see man's inhumanity to man today. Why do bad things happen? Because sin. But I thought God is a God of love. And we nailed love to the cross. You can't say God's been silent when your Bible's sitting on your bookshelf covered in dust. You can't say God's been silent to, to society if you're not out in the street preaching. You, you cannot voice your objection and frustration and anger at the sin and debauchery of society if you're not trying to change it with the gospel. You, if you're not trying to do something about it, you're not allowed to complain. If you're not trying to do something about it, you're not allowed to complain. If you're not preaching Christ, if you're not witnessing Christ, if you're not evangelizing Christ, if you're not handing out the tracts, if you're not taking the faith seriously, you're not allowed to complain. The disciples. Look at, look, look at this. Look at this. Verse 12. Look at verse 12. Matthew 14, verse 12. What did the disciples do about the whole issue of John? What did they do? They buried it and went to Jesus and kept working. They buried the issue. They buried the problem. They let it go. They moved on. 
bad things happen bad things will happen and even worse things will happen it will get worse it will get so bad it will get so bad that the issues of today will be nothing in comparison it's gonna get so bad these are gonna look like the golden days get ready get your armor on wet your sword take the faith seriously the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but are mighty through god to the pulling down of strongholds bury the problems let the things go forgetting the things of the past forgetting the things of the past forgetting the things of the past take no thought of the morrow sufficient to the days evil thereof serve the lord while it's called today let today be the day of salvation. Seek the Lord today. Sufficient unto the days, the evil thereof. One day at a time. Serve the Lord. In everything that you do, even in eating and drinking, do all to the glory of God. Bury the corpses. Bury the dead. Let the dead bury their dead. Follow the Lord. Put your hand to the plow. Don't look back. Keep marching. Though 10,000 fall by your side, keep marching, keep working. And if you fall, someone will take your spot. They'll pick up your torch and they'll keep marching. The name of Christ will never hit the mud. Oh, they try to splatter his name with mud. They try to spit in his face. And all they're doing is storing up for themselves more of the wrath of God. They know not what they do. It, they are sinning in their ignorance. They are cursing God in their ignorance. They do not know what they are doing. They are yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the saints and against Christ. They may have their Damascus road. The kings of the earth gather themselves together against the Lord and against his anointed. Many of the Pharisees also believed on him. and Many of the priests also. How hard it is. For, for, for the rich to enter the kingdom of God, but doesn't mean it's impossible. It happens. Bury your anger. But use the determination to fuel you to get, to get that much more busy about serving the Lord. Bad things happen and bad things will happen more and more and more. The wicked are exceedingly wicked. But so were you, so, so was I at one point. We were all there. We were all deceived in our own way, lost in our own way, and in the grace of God, saved us and redeemed us from the curse. We bury the bodies and go to Jesus. We bury the problems in the lap of Christ. We cast our care upon the Lord, for he cares for us. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I, I will repay. When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. Now this hit close to home for Jesus. John wasn't just the herald of Christ. John wasn't just a prophet of God. John 
was the direct close cousin to Jesus. Jesus' own family. Think about this. How close how close did this hit to Jesus? It hit close. John the Baptist embraced Jesus at Jordan. Baptized Jesus. Was a was good friend, best friend of Jesus and his cousin. Jesus even praises John about how powerful and mighty he is in righteousness. That, that no other prophet was as powerful and as great as John the Baptist. And the devil's like, oh yeah? And chops off his head. This hit close to home with Jesus. But how much more for Jesus' own children? He's our Father, we're His children. It says in Scripture that God shakes with anger. Shakes with anger. Can you imagine infinite God Almighty sitting in His throne and in the infinite justice wrath of God God shaking with anger at what they do to his children, it says in Scripture. You know, this is just my imagination, but I, I just kind of picture the angels standing around the, the throne flinching. Imagine God in wrath and anger starts shaking in absolute rage. The angels just kind of flinching. I kind of envision that. Imagine how much more terrifying it, would, it will be for those that that wrath is intended for. You see, we don't have to do anything about it. He will. It says he rends the heavens. He tears the heavens apart. He rends the heavens and comes down upon them. And he wrecks them up. He shatters their arm bones. He shatters their bows of steel. He shatters their shields. He thrusts them through with their own swords. The stone they roll is rolled back upon them. They net, they cast, they are snared therein. The pit they dig, they fall therein. It says he just has, has them in derision. Like a raging lion. He's the Lion of Judah. An enraged lion. Guarding her cubs. An enraged lion. The Lion of Judah comes down upon them. I fear for the wicked. Oh sure, I'm frustrated at what's going on and what they're doing. I'm, I'm upset at what they're, what they're doing. But I grieve for them. I pity them, for they know not what they do. Now, I have often said that if the wicked, if these wicked ones could just, for just a second, be allowed to have a glimpse through the keyhole, if they could just get just a slight glimpse of what it is that they're up against and that which they're opposing, I swear they would fall flat on their faces screaming for the mercy of God. But 
they know not what they do. They know not what they do. God give, gives them a choice. He shows them. God is not willing that any should perish. He gives everyone a chance. Everyone gets a chance. Everyone is told. Everyone is warned. All are without excuse. There isn't going to be one single person standing before the throne on Judgment Day that will say to God, but I didn't know I was never told. There's not going to be one single person. All are given a chance. And they do with that chance what they will. Some accept it. Some spit in the very face of Jesus. Just like the soldiers on the day of crucifixion. They spit in the face of Jesus. They slapped him. Spit in his face. Ripped out his beard. Beat him over the head with their rods. They put him a crown of thorns and they drove it into his head. They, they took those whips and they whipped him within an inch of his life. Uh, you could see the bones of Jesus. You could see his rib cage. They dislocated his joints and they buffeted him. Dragged him out of the city and, and crucified him. And this is what society is doing to Jesus today. Have, having great parades of their hate of God. Like you saw in the news. But over was it in Bolivia. Where they had that parade. Of, uh, where all everyone was dressed up like demons. And there's this one dressed up like Satan. Dragging this other guy. Supposed to, supposed to be Jesus. Beating him up in the street. And having this big old laughing laughing time. And pretending to torture Jesus. This blaspheming God. To, to, uh, to the abortionists. Standing out, out front of town centers. And they dressed up like Mary. Pretending to abort baby Jesus in the street. Yeah, go look that up. No love of God. No fear of Christ. They're, not, they're doing nothing but storing up for themselves the wrath of God. Why? And my question in all of this is why? Why do the wicked target Jesus? Why do the wicked target the churches? You don't see them doing it to the mosques. You don't see them doing it to the Buddhist temples. You don't see them doing it to the Hindu. You don't see them doing it to anyone else. Why? Is the name of God of Scripture the only deity name in the entire world that's used as a cuss word? You don't see people stubborn their toe and screaming, Oh, Muhammad or Oh, Buddha. You don't, see, you don't see people cursing the gods of other religions. Why is it that the God of righteousness is the only God, is the only truth, the only way, the only life that's specifically targeted by the wicked? Why? The same reason why they beheaded John in prison. They did. Oh, and here's the other thing. They didn't behead John in the street. They didn't bring John up before the whole council, before everybody, and behead him in front of everybody. They didn't behead John up on, uh, up on the balcony so everyone could see it. No, they beheaded him in the darkness. They beheaded him in the prison that they made. They, they beheaded him in the dark 
prison cell that they made. In secret, they beheaded out of the view of others. Oh, they can behead. They can, they can kill the prophets. They can kill the disciples. They can hate God all they want. They can chain the churches. They can arrest the pastors. They can pass all the bills they want. But I'm telling you, you can't, you can't behead Christ. You can't fight the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord God Almighty Jesus Christ is the great conqueror, the great victor. They didn't kill Jesus on the cross. You couldn't kill him as Jesus says, I lay down my life and no man takes it from me. I lay down my own life and I will take it up again. He bowed his head and gave up the ghost, the master of life and death. They didn't kill Jesus. He didn't die of a broken heart. He didn't die of blood loss. He didn't, he didn't swoon or any other thing. It, as he finished it, it is finished. He, all the atonement needed, necessary. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost, the God of life and death. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. They follow me and I give unto them eternal life. The God of life. The, the, the master of life and death. You can't, you can't kill Christ. You have, Many have tried. They have tried burning the churches, burning the Bibles, killing the saints, fight, fighting against God, fighting against righteousness. But I'm telling you, the march of righteousness is just as powerful today as it always has been. Oh, the wicked get exceedingly wicked. And they gather themselves together against the Lord and he, and he destroys them. He, is, he destroyed Egypt. He destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. He destroyed Babylon, Rome, Pompeii, and all other nations that rise up against the Lord. All other kings and emperors that rise up against the Lord. He puts them down. God is known by the judgment which he executes. And I'm telling you today with the way that society is going, the judgment of God is about to fall on our nations. You can see by the, by the very individuals that, that are set up as the presidents, the kings of our nations. Look what's happening. People say, well, God sets them all up. No, God does not set up all, all of these. If you look in the prophets in the Old Testament, as God says, you have set up princes, but not by me. You have appointed kings, and I knew it not. The people set up their own Saul. King Saul was the people's choice. God did not set up King Saul. David was God's choice. The people that chose Saul after being warned. When nations start setting up their own and their own wicked rulers, which are against the Lord, you know that the judgment of God is fast on the heels. Look what's happening to our society. Look what's happening to our nations. It's just a proof text. It's a proof. It's a fulfillment of prophecy, just as scripture says. And the kings of our nations don't want you to hear this. They ban it. They forbid it. Uh, they, they demand. They say, we forbid you from preaching Jesus. You're not allowed to preach this message. You're not allowed. We will arrest you. We will fine you. We'll close your churches. We'll arrest your pastors. We'll, we'll burn your Bibles. 
We ought to obey God rather than men. We must keep preaching. We must, we must bury the problem. Bury it. Cast our care upon the Lord. Go to Jesus. Keep working. Keep preaching. Keep teaching. The fire of God is about to fall. But don't worry about it. He will send his angels to bring us out before the time comes. Keep busy. Keep busy. We were told to do, do a couple things in anticipation of the coming of the Lord. We were told to do a couple things. Watch. Pray. Work. Three things. Keep watching. Keep praying. Keep working. Work the gospel. Work at getting it out into the hearts and the minds of the people. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what they are. It doesn't matter what's going on. Keep preaching Christ. Don't alter the message. Stay faithful. That when he comes, he'll find you watching. He'll find you praying. He'll find you working. He'll find you faithful. Faithful in that which we were given which we have been freely given, which we, which we freely received, so freely give. The mercy, the grace of our Lord God, Jesus Christ, by grace, through faith, by belief alone, of his work, of his cross, of his blood, of his spirit, of his name, the name above all names, at whose name every knee will bow. It doesn't matter how powerful, how wicked, how twisted and demonic they are, they will bow before the Lord I'm telling you on that day when we're standing before the Lord, when all and all stand before the Lord, of all men, of all women, of all people, of all angels, all devils, everything, 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 the Antichrist, Lucifer, false prophet, even standing there, everything, it's going to stand before the Lord, and it's going to sound like thunder. All the knees of all people of all creatures, angels and devils will hit their knees before the Lord and call him Lord. It'll sound like thunder of all the knees just hitting the floor. And all tongues will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the day we look forward to. That's what we're marching to. The Lord has already won. It's nothing but the death throes of sin is what we're seeing today. The Lord has already won. We read the back of the book, we win. It's just the waiting game now to see it fulfilled, that which has already been done. The news, the news will get more distressing. Sin will get more wicked. The devils will behave more devilish. Up until the point that the Lord says, that's enough. That's enough. Where the long suffering of God and the patience of God comes to an end. He says, that's enough. And you hear the, the rustling of the robes of God on the throne. 
and he stands up. They come back no longer, not as a baby, not as a carpenter, not to give his hands to the cross, but to give his fist to the nations. The wrath of God will be poured out. We will be taken out, and the Lord will bring his judgment upon them. They will not get away with it. Not one single uh, one of these individuals, of these wicked, evil people that rule these nations and run society, they will not get away with it. The abusers, the accusers, the oppressors, the persecutors, the wicked will not get away with it. And we are not to revel in that judgment. Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth. Lest the Lord see it and it displease him. And he turn his anger against you. That's what it says. Render not evil for evil. Speak evil of no man. But pity them. Pray for them. For they know not what they do. God is not willing that any should perish. But if they will not believe. If they will not repent. They will be met justice and judgment. They will meet justice and judgment. Herod met the judgment. This wicked woman that wanted the head of John, she met her judgment. If they did not repent. This young girl, we're not told what happened to her, but if she did not repent, she will meet the judgment. Of her voicing of agreement and justifying the death of John. The blood of the saints is on the hands of the sinners. And they will have to give an account for the innocent blood. Praise the Lord. Our hands are clean. As much as we see the wrath of God upon sin, it shakes us to our core to think about what they're going to meet. And that should make us cry out that much more. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me that my hands are clean. We stand before the Lord on that day. He will look down upon us and he'll see us in the righteousness of Christ in our hands clean. Our names found written in the Lamb's book of life. We bring nothing to the table but the sin, uh, for, of our salvation other than the sin that made it necessary. We didn't deserve it. We deserved the wrath of God just as they will receive. We deserve the judgment of God just like they. But all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't matter what they've done. Even the most wicked among us. As Saul of Tarsus, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter and the blasphemies against Christ and against the saints. And the chaining up the saints and dragging them to prisons and torturing them to make them blaspheme Christ. Destroying the church. Fell on his face before the Lord and repented and got saved. Don't let your disgust and anger and frustration of the debauchery of society... Water down the message of grace to sinners. As wicked as they are, Christ so loves them too. He atoned for them too. He so loves them too. He wants them to be saved as well. 
don't forget that. As angry as you get at society and against the wicked and against the rulers and the elite, just remember, God wants them to be saved too. As it says in scripture, out of the same mouth proceeds both blessing and cursing. Ought such a thing, such a thing ought not so to be. Pray for them. As the Lord Jesus hanging on the cross, looked down at the Pharisees mocking him. Jesus writhing in pain and agony of all the torture, the torture. They they turned him into a hamburger. They tortured him. And he's hanging on the cross, shredded. You could literally see the, the visible bones from the whips that ripped him open. Dislocated joints. His face, his visage was so marred, you couldn't even recognize him. His beard ripped out of his face. Swollen eyes, gashes, and then blood pouring, writhing in agony of his twisted, broken body. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgiveness, mercy, grace. These things shown to a world that doesn't deserve it. These things shown to a world of hell, a world of devils and sin and iniquity. Shown these things to a world by a God that will destroy it in wrath and fury. But who will save anyone who turns to him and says, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I believe. Please save me. And instead of the wrath of God, it's the mercy of him. It blows your mind. It blows your mind. At the immensity of sin that the Lord can forgive. The sheer mercy that the Lord can show. That murderers can get saved. Blasphemers become preachers. Haters become the lovers of Christ. Sinners become saints. That anyone can be saved. Let not your frustration of the world your anger of sin of society alter the message of the gospel just as the disciples buried the body of John went to Jesus and moved on Matthew 14 part 1 It's sad, it's terrible, it's grieving, it's horrific, the things that we see in the news, the things that are happening these days, the twistedness of society. When has it though, when has it never been like this? It's always been like this. It's just it's just publicized now more. There's more and more people are becoming aware of it. 
It has always been like this. Nothing is new under the sun. It's always been like this. Is this becoming more and more widely known and publicized? We're starting to become more and more aware of the depth of sin. And the more and the more that we see, and it's always gone in this circle, this circle of this, of this, falling with the apathy and the debauchery and the rebellion against God. We've always seen this circle down through history. It always comes in these waves like this. We're just kind of caught on the tail end. Where we see the, the forces of Babylon are coming to take our nations into captivity. We're there. We're there. Behold the woes against our nations. All right, so there you go. So what's your thoughts on this? What's your thoughts on this? It's it's quite shocking. When I was reading through uh, what we're going to be talking about this morning, I started reading through Matthew chapter 14. And it's just, after seeing the news articles, after seeing the news articles of what happened in Nashville and all this and what's going on in society lately and just the way things are going, it just, it just, blew my mind at just the correlation here the timing of this now the lord has brought this uh, brought this message up and it just this is what's going on and uh but the lord the lord's question in all of this is is how should the saints respond how should the saints respond we got to be very careful because our own personal emotions our own personal feelings of the matter can sometimes get in the way and we muddy the waters of grace we got to be careful about that and we do away with the forgiveness of god and we preach vengeance instead but as the lord so forgave us he can so forgive them as the lord saved us he can save them it doesn't matter who or what they are. It doesn't matter what they've committed. They can be saved. Just as you and I. As they are, we once were. As we are, they shall be. So, we need to remember grace above all. The mercy of God above all. So, give that some thought. So, just some, some things for you to think about. Keep in mind. And I hope that this message has been... Uh, an encouragement and a help to you and if you appreciate these studies please give this a like give us a thumbs up make sure you subscribe hit notification bell icon so you know we put up new videos and check out all our other videos we get tons and tons of other playlists and topics and bible studies we please make sure you check it out and tons of other things as well and the archaeological discoveries that prove the bible true and uh, other studies on the uh, like uh, once saved always saved how that's a biblical truth and you can never lose your salvation tons of other topics make sure you check it out and share these videos around as well as well folks please make sure you check out our website christiancoffeetime.ca links to all other platforms and goodies as well as our free downloadable gospel track pdfs please make sure you take advantage of that as well get the gospel out there get busy get busy but serving the lord enough 
enough messing around, enough delaying, get busy. Take take the faith seriously. Start serving the Lord in fear and trembling. All right, and uh, Purely says, I'm seeing more men standing up publicly to the wickedness in the world, and this encourages me. Amen, and we should join them. We should join them. Start speaking up. Start speaking up. All right, yeah, well, as you said, all Christians are tasked with this commission. That's right. That's right. Okay, um, going down through. Okay, purely says, a man who relies on the likes of others in rejection of God, who gave the man everything, is such a weakling in my eyes. Yep. Yep, that's right. And, uh, yeah, and so we need to be that much more emboldened. That much more emboldened in the truth of the Lord. In the faith of the Lord, stand up. That doesn't matter what society says. It doesn't matter about the threatenings of the wicked. It doesn't matter what they say or do. We ought to obey God rather than men. And if they arrest us, they arrest us. Preach the inmates. Preach the inmates. Serve the Lord in fear and trembling. We serve not men. We serve God. God is our master. And we do not bow the knee to any other. We obey none else. We cannot but speak of the things which we have seen and heard. We ought to obey God rather than the outlaw gospel. There you go. All right, so with that, we wrapped it up there. Thank you so much for joining in, folks. God bless you. And uh, I know this is a bit of a heavy one. This is a bit of a harder one today. And it's just, I was thinking about, you know, what happened in Nashville and all this. And what what is this just a sign of? a sign of sin that's all it is it's just yet another manifestation of the curse of sin upon the earth these folks need to be saved the sinners need to be saved they need to repent and believe on the lord so what 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 is our responsibility go tell them go tell them the lord will deal with it the lord will deal with everything else go preach the gospel to every creature Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Get busy. Even if they don't like it, they still need to hear it. Alrighty. So with that, I'll wrap that up there. Thank you so much for joining in. God bless you, folks. God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love His Holy Word. Hope to see you again. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.